Welcome to Where You Are. I'm Michelle Horn. And I'm Bryn Asquith. There are a lot of great mental health podcasts out there. And today on Where You Are, we wanted to share an episode from one of our favorites, Our Anxiety Stories, a podcast by Anxiety Canada. If you're curious to learn more about Anxiety Canada, who are a member of the BC Partners for Mental Health and Substance Use Information, visit anxietycanada.com. Here at the Kelty Centre, we often talk to parents and caregivers who are looking for support for their children struggling with anxiety. Anxiety Canada is one of our go-to resources for these families. Like the Kelty Centre, Anxiety Canada are leaders in developing free online self-help and evidence-based resources. Their podcast, hosted by John Bateman, highlights the experiences of people from all walks of life. As hosts of Where You Are, Michelle and I know how powerful hearing mental health stories can be. That brings us to the episode that we're sharing with you today. Released October 2021, this episode follows Malia Baker. Her journey with anxiety peaked in grade four. Malia offers great strategies that she's learned to manage her symptoms, along with the support of her mother, little sister, and friends. It's fantastic to have youth who are in a place to be able to share what's been helpful to them as they deal with their anxiety journey. And with our many parents and caregivers listening on where you are, we thought it would be helpful for you as well to hear Malia's evolving journey. So enjoy this episode from Our Anxiety Stories, and we'll be back soon with our season three finale of Where You Are. This is Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bateman. This is the place where people from all walks of life share their anxiety stories to remind you that you are not alone. If you have an anxiety story you'd like to share, contact us at anxietycanada.com slash ouranxietystories. I am John Bateman, and this is Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast, which can be found at anxietycanada.com and on most of your popular platforms. Malia Baker is best known for her role as Marianne Spear in the highly acclaimed Netflix remake of The Babysitter Club. Most recently, Baker also joined as a series regular on Nickelodeon's second season of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Botswana-born and Canadian-raised, Malia is a multi-talented actor who began her love of performing at the age of three through musical theatre and dance. Hi, Malia. Hi, John. So nice to be with you today. Nice to have you. Thanks for doing it. Of course. Thank you for having me. Okay. First questions first. Malia, what's your anxiety story? Good question. Yep. <laughs> My Usually anxiety, is. Exactly. Uh, my anxiety story is something that I think is always adapting, completely irresolute. Um, I grew up with severe anxiety and experienced symptoms from having hard times breathing to physically shaking and stomach issues. A lot of symptoms I feel like we all face from time to time, especially with anxiety being such a huge part of our lives, starting at such a young age as well. Um, I was very fortunate with my mom being educated on anxiety and giving me the resources and tools I needed to help cope. Um, although there were definitely moments I didn't want to listen, I don't know what I would have done without that knowledge. Uh, the biggest way my anxiety has impacted me so far was when I was in the fourth grade and I developed CRPS. It's chronic regional pain syndrome. I couldn't walk for around seven months. Uh, I was in a wheelchair and it was caused by my anxiety. Um, they couldn't di diagnose me for a couple of months because physically there appeared to be nothing wrong. Uh, it was this mental thing where my brain was telling my leg it couldn't work because everything was being built up inside of me. Um, so I feel like that was the biggest waking up realization moment that, oh, I actually need to listen to these coping mechanisms because it's going to allow me to function properly compared to holding myself back in the long run. So 
that is my anxiety story in short. <laughs> that, yeah, that was a rapid fire anxiety story. Thank you. <laughs> um, I've never heard of, okay, what was that condition called again? Chronic regional pain syndrome. Yeah, it's not well known at all. It's right. really, yeah, it was a really hard experience trying to figure out what I had as well. Like I said, it was a couple of months of just being in completely in the dark, having tests, being hospitalized. Um, and then finally, after so many treatments and just trying to figure out what was going on, um, there was this woman, I think, in like Halifax that said, Oh, I had the same thing. It's called CRPS. And that must have been a relief to hear that. It really was. I was taken aback. Um, and it was apparently, you know, if you have it, you can't really go back from that. It doesn't usually dissolve. Um, so I was very, very fortunate in that sense. Yeah. So how did, did it just, did you just wake up one morning and it was there? Yeah, it was. I mean, it sounds hilarious now that I think about it. Obviously, it's, it's not no, funny. No, no, it sounds funny. absolutely terrifying <laughs> to <does>. me. <laughs> um, I feel like the best way now is I always crack jokes about it and everyone else is like, Malia, I think that's like an issue that you need to actually go into further deep talk about. Um, but I I was a dancer, so it felt like the end of the world for me. Yeah. Um, I was dancing 24-7. I was, what, eight years old at this point? So mm. I was you know, active, having fun, like hanging out with my buddies, doing dance, going to school and my school to get there, you had to go up so many ramps of stairs. Um, mm -hmm. So it was one day while I was at school and I just felt my leg and I was like, oh, this is bad. I don't like, I don't know if I can go up all these stairs. Wow. Um, and so I asked for the principal. I got sent home. I went to the ER. Um, they couldn't find anything that was wrong with me, but then I it felt like it was completely numb when I got home. And if it wasn't numb, then it was in pain and there was aches. Um, and that just went on for around a few weeks until we fully got into the investigation of what everything was going on is. Um, and yeah, that went on for a few months. I was very lucky to be diagnosed. And then here I am today, a walking, yeah. <laughs> standing, dancing. <laughs> that, that must have been anxiety provoking. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm wondering... Uh, you know, you said you were eight and you were doing a lot of dancing. Did you have, you know, do you feel you had stress from, from that, from, from sort of your lifestyle at that point, you know, even at that young age? For sure. I mean, I feel like stress can creep up on us at any given moment, no matter your age. Um, it's always hilarious how many times people think that your age affects you compared to the amount of things that you've experienced. Um, for me, I feel like, I mean, dance, I was a competitive dancer. It was more of a, I'm going to be a professional dancer when I'm older, that kind of headspace. Um, and, and now I don't think I'm going to be doing that. Now. <laughs> but when I was younger, that was my biggest goal. Um, so I definitely think there would have been that stress with competitions. And then, of course, school, that's always going to be a stressor for me specifically. Maybe it's not for other people. Um, but having those uh, impacts on a kid as well can just be, you know, if you would not taught that in school, in health about like, this is anxiety. This is what you can do for it. I, like I said, I was very fortunate. My mom was very well educated on what was going on, how to cope, how many mechanisms could have resolved a lot of situations for me. And so in short, I definitely think that there's things that impacted my stress level for sure. Yeah. Well, what people often overlook is the fact that for every young person that has anxiety, there's, there's parents and siblings that are along for the ride, mm -hmm. um, you know, because we love our children. Um, we care for our children, we want to help our children, obviously. Um, so when you started, you know, I, I don't know, do you call it gaining mobility? Like, is it, did it, did it, did it Pretty slowly much, yeah. come back? Did the pain slowly go away? Or, or did you wake up one day, you know, 
I can walk. It was you know, pretty, yeah, it was um, it was pretty quick. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, uh, I was with my little sister. She's almost four years younger than me. So she was with me, like you said, through the ride, through everything. Mm-hmm. She was my biggest supporter and still is one of my best friends to this day. Awesome. Um, but she woke up one day and she was like yelling for help or something. And I like I walked over there and she was like, what (laughs) like what's going on I know and so that was just a big waking moment and so I walked around my cul-de-sac in victory and that's kind of just where it was at from that I definitely had to regain my strength and muscles through you know seven months of not being able to walk or do any activities there would have been some atrophy there I guess for sure yeah I regained myself slowly and steadily um but after a year I was fully in What's it called? Uh, I was all better. <laughs> Remission or exactly uh-huh. or recovery. Or... Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you, you said you you realized or that it, you found out that this was a sort of uh, anxiety related. Um, what kind? How, first of all, how did you learn about tools? What kind of tools did you get? Did you did you see a counselor? What kind of stuff happened that started you on that road to recovery? Yeah. So I've been seeing counselors since I've been pretty young. So I've always had that tools in my head at the back of my mind Um, my mom was also a yoga teacher so she was always talking about breathing and as much as it annoyed me and it still sometimes does if I'm anxious or nervous and she can see clearly that I am she'll just tell me to take a breath and I'm like no I'm fine just (laughs) completely defensive Um, but in the long run it does help for sure so there's always been that um, back of my mind instilled kind of knowledge about anxiety and about mental health and of how to help myself cope through everything Mm -hmm. um and that's just kind of always been there and there's still so many things i need to learn about it because some things get washed away some things you just don't want to listen to and while growing up there's just a lot of things that you learn about yourself that could be taken into account of how to cope with the things that's going on in your life Mm-hmm. We have a life, you know, life evolves and changes, you know, by the minute, as you know, and, and there's, there's new things that pop up all the time that you could potentially could potentially trigger anxiety. Um, for sure. You know, for you, you work at a high level as an actor. Um, and what's that like for you? Does that, you know, does, do, do you find that anxiety has an effect at all with you when you're performing? Mm-hmm. Um, or do you feel like you've got that pretty much figure out with some of the tools you've been using? I feel like at this moment right now, I have some things figured out. Uh, at the start, I did not whatsoever. The, I was very lucky because the character that I first played in the role that I first got, and it was a bigger role, and I got to play the character 24-7, was Marianne. And she was super, super anxious. So I did not need to act at all with that. It was kind of just method in that sense. So (laughs) it was exactly, it was this girl going through puberty with a group of friends, a group of her best friends, um, anxious 24 seven. And I was like, that's what I'm doing, except I'm Aaliyah and this is a show. And yes, I'm with my best friends on screen, um, but this is pretty much life. It's relatable for sure. Um, So I think that anxiety does happen on set for sure. I mean, I feel like it would be kind of dumb if it didn't. Uh, There's always going to be that stress of nervousness or that anxious um, way of being on set. 
Mm-hmm. And I definitely still to this day have that with me 24 seven. Um, but there's ways because I love my job so much um, that I'm able to push it down or if not push it down, then to add it to my performance or to just use it as a strength. Yeah. So you do you have anything that you go through, you know, is there is there any kind of rituals you go through as you're getting ready to to go on set or do a take? Forgive my language. I only know what I've seen on TV. <laughs> no, um, surprisingly, you're doing it all good. Trust me. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, but do you have do you do you have anything that kind of gets you? Because, you know, you, although your character sounds similar to who you really are, um, mm. do you do you have any you know, do you have a process that kind of gets you into that character? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, when I'm with a group of people, like on the Babysitter's Club, I feel like it's different for every set. And sometimes rebuilding that sort of ritual, like you said, um, that just comes from oneself. But on the set of the Babysitter's Club, or even Are You Afraid of the Dark, we were such a tight-knit cast that we were able to do these rituals together. Um, So with the Babysitter's Club, we would go to Crafty, which is this little snack tent, and we'd be talking about the scene and how we're feeling to make sure that we're all okay. And then before almost every one of the bigger scenes, we would give each other big group hug and then we would be like okay we're grounded we got this breathe if we could see that we're anxious we would hold hands that kind of thing I mean we're still so close to this day I can hear my phone buzzing away it's most definitely them um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah for are you afraid of the dark there was that same type of tight like close-knit type of cast um, for the show, although it worked better because we were supposed to be scared all the time. So we kind of used it to our strengths and pushed it. Um, this most recent project that I was just on, which I cannot wait to share with everyone, but unfortunately can't yet. Um, it was more of a by myself type of situation. So I had to learn to do that ritual and how to prepare myself going into the scenes, especially if they're more draining or emotional or just mentally challenging just to have that ritual for myself to make sure that I'm stable going into it and that I'm able to bring myself out of that headspace at the end of the scene. Um, because I feel like it's not talked about enough when an actor goes into a scene where it's just so draining mentally for bawling our eyes out for hours on end and then having to go back to that headspace of being professional and having a casual chat with a director. It's it's mind boggling because it's such a drastic change in how you were five minutes ago. Um, So learning how to do that ritual by myself was something very, um, I I was just, I was educated in a lot of ways. I was very fortunate to have a lot of older mentors to work with me on my last set. Um, So I asked tons of questions about that, but my ritual kind of consists of drinking some water, doing some deep breathing. Um, Sometimes I got to work with a person that did meditation before every scene. So I got, I know it was pretty amazing to watch and to be a part of. I asked her how she did it. She kind of showed me the ropes of it and I got it. Um, And so there's just so many techniques that I still get to learn. Um, And I'm still figuring my way out. So there's nothing set yet, but for sure, there's some things that I switch off between. Well, all these techniques you're talking about are all techniques you you could use or anybody could use as experiencing anxiety even or that kind of you know pressure or stress you know these are all things you're talking about your deep breathing meditation communicating with friends uh, hugging whatever it might be those are all things Mm -hmm. that really apply do you uh you know so you're in school uh in grade how did your you know how, how was it with your friend group is it you know did you have a similar relationship with your actual you know I don't want to say the cast members aren't real friends but Mm -hmm. you know the friends you grew up with Uh, Are they all pretty transparent and pretty open about, you know, mental health stuff? Yeah, uh, the friends that I grew up with, I have 
a pretty tight knit kind of trio group that I hang out with right now. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, with COVID, it was crazy not being able to see them 24 um, seven since we've God, I've known them since grade four, around the time of CRPS. That's kind of how I was introduced to my new school. Um, So they were very aware of my anxiety and my mental health. And I was aware of theirs because they were able to share it with me because I saw that I was a person that would be able to understand. Um, And so being that way that I was kind of introduced to them. Um, We're very open about it to this day, whether that's being stressed about school, being stressed about family issues or friends, whatever it is, we're able to talk to each other, which I feel like in every friend group, it's one of the best ways to go. Um, It's just having that security blanket almost. And like I said, the babysitters club, those girls are my chosen family a hundred percent, but they're all practically all in the US so I can never see them uh, um yeah. I know it's a bummer but yeah. um just having my uh my friends here as well that I grew up with is something very important to me yeah and it's it's one of the things that I find really encouraging about um your generation uh because my generation we didn't really have as much of an open dialogue if any I mean and also um you know I'm a guy I you know I often wonder what we have, I haven't interviewed any really young men, um, you know, mm-hmm. how open they are at, uh, you know, middle school, high school, college ages. But um, it's, it is encouraging to hear that, you know, there's people out there that do share it with their friends, because that's one of the most important components. I'd like to switch uh, to quickly to some social media stuff, because you have pretty robust followings. Um, and um, specifically, I guess, on Instagram, that's kind of a, a big one. Um, how, social media is something that's part of your life. It's part of your generation's life. You guys probably don't really have much of a memory um, of life before social media. Uh, so do you deal with the same kind of, what, what I'm trying to get to is there's harassment and bullying and so on and so forth on social media. Do you deal with that through your channels or you know, how, how would you deal with that, that kind of stuff? If uh, hopefully you haven't, but, you know, when you're getting into those kind of numbers, you, there's all kinds of people out there that mm-hmm. uh, want to have their voice heard for for good or for bad. For sure. Yeah. I, I mean, with having a following that's bigger than just, I don't know, when I started, I got a thousand followers and I thought that was I hit the big stuff. I was, you know, I'm getting <laughs> somewhere. Um, and now looking where I am today, uh, I feel like with that amount of people that are supporting my work and supporting who I am, there's of course going to be, it's inevitable to not have those people that, that are going to try to push you down or just not think the same way as many of the other people. Um, but I feel like focusing on the few that don't think that way um, has been the most important thing to me. I've tried to honestly nowadays at first it really got to me I was Mm -hmm. just I I wasn't used to it Uh, of course there were things in school beforehand and previously and just learning how to be myself with the world and just trying to um, manufacture this version of me that I wanted to put out as the representation of Malia Baker actor blah 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 Mm -hmm. Um, it's just kind of like showing face all the time and so social media like you said, it's a big part of my life and a big part of the younger generation's life as well. Like you said, I don't think a lot of people can recognize a time before it wasn't there, before TikTok wasn't there, before Instagram, before whatever. Right. Um, so I definitely think that it's a big, it's a part of our atmosphere and that you can either 
decline it heavily or embrace it and try to use it to your benefit, which is what I've been trying to do um, with activism, especially on social media with a larger following. That's what I try to do um, is spreading awareness about mental health and my own anxiety, trying to tell my story, which is why I'm so grateful I'm here today, um, yeah. just advancing that even farther. Um, or you can just, you know, show what you're doing. It's, there's such a, it's this place that you can vary so much of. Um, so there's just so many variables that you can go with on social media. I've chosen a few. I do not particularly like posting selfies of myself 24 seven. It's not something that I enjoy personally. Right, um, yeah. It's something that I've had to kind of get used to over time because apparently you have to show your face on social media. Who knew that? Right. Um, so uh, there's definitely learning curves for me and it's a process of trying to understand what it is like since it is such a big part of our lives in 2021, especially um, in 2020 because of COVID. That was kind of the only way that we could connect um, as a collective, as humans. And so um, I definitely have faced some kind of haters going to hate <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh, exactly. Um, but just trying to sidestep that focus on my one goal and not have that push me down any farther as, you know, <laughs> cliche as it sounds, it's kind of how it is. I think that would be good advice for anybody because, you know, it's everybody faces negativity on, you know, whether you have a hundred followers or you have, you know, 300,000 followers, everybody faces it. So that's really good advice, you know, in terms of, keeping your eye on, on what your goals are and what you want to do and what you want to project. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Malia, I want to thank you very much for joining me. Your story is great. And I, I just love the fact that we have young people like you with a voice advocating for anxiety, for mental health. It's, it's incredibly valuable and it's just going to build and build over the next few generations. So thank you for that. And thank you for talking to me today. Thank you so much for having me. This Before I say goodbye, <laughs> your Instagram and Facebook are oh. at Malia Baker MSB. That's that's right. That is correct. Yes, that's sir. Right. You got it. <laughs> okay, good. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for joining me. I hope to chat with you again some other time. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Okay. Okay. Take care. In today's episode, we discussed how important family support can be when experiencing anxiety. If you're a parent or a caring adult looking to support a loved one, consider Family Smart's In the Know. Every month, Family Smart hosts events called In the Know, facilitated by a parent peer support worker. They come together to watch a video or listen to a speaker and share experiences and strategies that help in the hard moments. Parent peer support workers help focus on strengthening and understanding and connecting with our kids. For more information, visit familysmart.ca slash ITK. Thank you for listening to our anxiety stories. If you'd like to support this podcast or Anxiety Canada, go to anxietycanada.com. A big thanks to our friends at Anxiety Canada for letting us share this episode in our feed today. 
Are you a parent or caregiver looking for more resources and tips on supporting your child with anxiety? Listen to our podcast from season one on tackling anxiety. You can find the link in our show notes. Where You Are is brought to you by BC Children's Kelty Mental Health Resource Center. Our show is produced and edited by Emily Morantz with audio engineering by Sam Sagain. Audio production by Jar Audio. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might be listening now. Looking for more great episodes of Where You Are? Find us wherever you listen to podcasts and of course at keltymentalhealth.ca slash podcast. We hope you'll make us a go-to resource to promote your family's mental health and wellness from where you are to where you want to be.